And I laid down and thought, what have I done? I've got a son at home. My, my beautiful wife is five months pregnant and I left them and I, I left a, a six figure career that I was very happy in. And I'm laying here getting yelled at by a staff sergeant who doesn't know or care about me. Welcome to Decision Point, a podcast about mental toughness and overcoming adversity in sales. I'm Brad C. I am excited to have today on Decision Point, David Inman, who has a fascinating story. He started out in retail. He then decided to hire a Sandler sales trainer to help him sell at his retail job. He quickly became one of the top salespeople and then makes a uh, serious career change by entering the military and spends four years in the military. And then he comes back and joins Sandler and begins to sell Sandler sales training because he had had such a good experience. So I'm excited to have on David this morning. I think you're going to have an exciting listen. Probably a good place to start would be walk me through kind of the background. I, I know you had a sale, you worked at the Air Force and then you make a transition to Sandler. So tell me how that all, how that all starts. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually started off as a client of Sandler's. This was shoot pushing eight or nine years ago now it was out of college i started working at a retail sales job i was i was working at a store in the mall and i thought there was probably someone out there that could teach me how to do better than i was doing so i got on google i found sandler and i hired them uh, against my sales manager's wishes they pushed pretty hard for me not to uh, mainly because my sales manager cared about me and it was half of my income to hire him to train me. But it was an awesome decision. Within within a month to two months, I became the top selling uh, associate for the company in the country. My income doubled within a short time after that. It, it, it tripled and then quadrupled. So I, I fell in love with the process. I fell in love with the Sandler system. Um, ended up transitioning from that into more of a, a consultative B2B position with a local company called Flexpack. And I spent three years with them, loved it, an incredible experience, wonderful company. And a, a book ended up getting me in trouble. I sat down, I, I, I've got a, a habit of waking up pretty early and I always start the day by reading. And I was reading a book called Team of Rivals. It, uh, it's not necessarily a patriotic book, but for some reason, it hit me and I, I quit my job and I joined the Air Force. So so hold on, so, let me get this straight. So you're you're working <laughs> the retail job because I think in my mind, I thought, hey, you were doing the Air Force and you get out of the Air Force, you're doing retail and then you decide that and then you get connected with Sandler. But it was actually the reverse happens. You're working retail, you get connected with Sandler and then you, you step into the Air Force. Yeah. Super fascinating. Yeah, okay. So you're reading this book and you decide, hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to go into the Air Force. So tell me about that. Yeah, so it was a crazy transition. <laughs> we had, I, I was and still am married, and we were pregnant with our second, and we we felt like we were living the dream life. We were up in northern Indiana. We had recently purchased just a beautiful home. It felt like our dream home, and and when I told my wife, "Hey, I really feel like I need to join the military." And she, she told me to go back to sleep, <laughs> that I was too tired and it just kept coming up. So we ended up praying about it. Um, we're, we're a pretty spiritual family. So we, we prayed and we felt like it was the right decision. 
without knowing why. And, and we jumped into it. Um, and then in the air force, they ended up, they, they needed people to work in mental health. My test results showed that I was going to be a good fit for it. So that's where they put me. So four years I, I spent working in psychology in the air force. Um, okay. So, so tons of questions. So where do you, where do you grow up? All over the place. Uh, my, and weirdly enough, not a military background in that aspect. My dad's an artist. Really? And so what that means is we lived where, <laughs> where he wanted to live and uh, where just opportunities took him. So, I mean, Colorado, Kansas. Oh man, that's so, that's so crazy. So what's the, what's the life of an artist kid? Like, how do you decide or like, what's the work look like? Like, I'm assuming the art is not uh, maybe canvas art based on your comments. It, it is canvas art. He was a, and still is a professional oil painter. Really? Awesome. That's so, that's so cool. So you grow up in a family where your dad's an oil painter. What's your mom do? She's a stay-at-home mom. She went to school okay. for speech pathology, but I didn't mention this. I'm, I'm the oldest of seven kids. <laughs> so wow. seven kids, dad's a painter and you guys are, you guys are, are, are tra traveling. This is a, this story, this is a, this is amazing. Yeah. We were all over the place. Dude, that's so, that's, that's, uh, that's so cool. So you're, so your dad's an artist, you're kind of all over the, you've, you've traveled and moved around, you doing retail, you get connected with Sandler and then you decide to step into the air force. Were you in reserves or were you full-time, were you full-time military? No, I dove in all the way out. All, all the way in. Time. Um, and then you do, you do four years of military service and then how do you get back to Sandler? Yeah. So that was about six months before my contract ended. I called up a couple of my mentors uh, that I had semi kept in contact with while I was active duty. And I said, Hey, I, I've got six months until I'm out. Can I fly up, buy you lunch? And you can, you can help me figure out what I'm going to be doing with my life now. Cause I've got a very eclectic background. Um, I, I didn't mention it, but while I was active duty, I also helped start two small companies. And so it was just, it was a, a crazy looking resume by that time. So I uh, flew up and, and I met with several mentors and I was blessed that each of them ended up inviting me and, and giving me opportunities to, to join their team. And I, I couldn't pass up. I don't know if you know much about uh, Sandler Trust Point where I'm at, but Tim Roberts is one of the best sales trainers in the world. In fact, he was recently voted as the best uh, sales trainer in the world um, within Sandler was voted. And so all the Sandlers are independent. When you were going to Sandler as a retail salesperson, is, is he the, is, are you getting that at, through Trustpoint? Yep. So I spent three years training with Trustpoint before going to the military and, and kind of kept in contact with Tim. So he's one of the mentors I sat down with. And when he offered me a, a job, invited me onto his team, I, I couldn't pass it up when, I mean, he's, he's one of the absolute best. So I couldn't pass up working with him. Two questions for you. The first question is, what was going through your mind when you decided to make the transition? Was there a strategy, or it was it was a, in your case was it a, it was a step of faith? Man, I wish I had more of a strategy, <laughs> but it, it was, was a, you just said, "Hey, this is where I feel like I got to go," and you and you jumped. Yeah, I had sat down with all my mentors before making that decision. Obviously, a, a life changing major decision, and for the most part, what I heard is you're doing really well in your career. You're growing very quickly. This is, this is career suicide. Right? This doesn't make sense. The military is not something you suddenly jump into when you're 25 and you already have a career. It just, 
it just felt right. And I felt like I needed to serve. I, at the time I thought, you know what, I, I either need to join the military or go into politics because I want to do something for the country. And I thought I wasn't smart enough for politics. So I went into the military. I've, I've since come to the realization that politicians aren't as smart as I thought, but either way, it, it, it was the right, <laughs> right decision for the time. It was, it was the right decision. And do you look back on that decision and feel like that was the right, that right thing to do? Oh, 100 for, for myself and my family, the, the growth that my family went through and, and the challenges that we learned from and the sack, everything about it was the right decision. So the transition back, was it harder to transition from sales to the military or was it harder to transition from the military back into sales? So, so probably going into the military for a couple of reasons. One is basic training. <laughs> that is, they don't make it an easy transition. They, they very purposefully make it difficult. And I remember, this is probably getting more personal than you were anticipating, but I remember in basic training, it was the second day. I, I wasn't able to sleep the first night uh, and we didn't get to bed until 2, 3 a.m. the second night. So I'm, I'm at this point almost delusional. I, I, I was walking and falling asleep while walking. And so when we finally were allowed to lie down, I laid there thinking, and, and I'd been getting yelled at uh, by my uh, uh, staff sergeant that was in charge, um, yelled at over and over and over again. This guy's huge, very intimidating. And I laid down and thought, what have I done? I, I, I've got a son at home. My, my beautiful wife is five months pregnant and I left them and I, I left a, a six figure career that I was very happy in. And I'm laying here getting yelled at by a staff sergeant who doesn't know or care about me. And I, I've ruined our life. And I just, I, I broke down in tears. It's one of the only times I've done that. And finally fell asleep, woke up and loved every part of it since then. I mean, there's been absolutely challenging parts and I, and a lot of challenges through it, but it just, it felt right from then on. What were the big lessons that you, if you had to, to summarize the, the two or three things that you feel like you took from the military that you were able to step back and apply to sales, what do you feel like those things were or are? Yeah. So there's, Man, there's a lot, but one of the ones that sticks out initially, and I don't think this is typically what someone learns coming out of the military, but empathy. I, I think it's something that I challenge, I I had a challenge with a lot of my life is looking at someone and realizing that they've got a different life than me. So the decisions they make, they may not be the decisions I make in my situation, but I don't know what it would be like in their shoes. And working in mental health, specializing in psychology, and I, I was very involved in treatment, um, including there was a, a, a period of time that I was doing um, addiction recovery treatment for people coming from very different uh, places in life and realizing that, that I don't know what I would do if I was them. And, and that a lot of the decisions these people are making are probably what they think are the best decisions, even if it doesn't look like it from, from where I'm standing. So oddly enough, I came out of the military with a lot more empathy than I, than what I went in with, which is, it's making me a better uh, trainer. It's making me a better father, a better husband. I think just, just a better, <laughs> better human being. Well, I think particularly, so what's been interesting here is over the last couple of weeks, as we've been doing the interviews, just sort of, there's been this kind of general flow of people who have had career transition. 
And so I'm just kind of fascinated with, I think it's interesting to think about like, hey, I'm a nurse and now I'm going to be a salesperson or, hey, I'm a teacher. Now I'm going to be a salesperson. Or in your case, I'm a salesperson and now I'm going to be in the Air Force. And so it's really, it's just, it's, it's, it's interesting that people make these big career transitions. I, I think typically, you know, they're happening early on at like 20, you know, 24, 25, 26 is at least the people that I've been talking to that kind of had this fork in the road where they realize that whatever they're doing is not satisfying, um, not satisfying them or they get some itch and try to make and make a transition. But yeah, there's, um, a, there's a concept that we teach in Sandler called IR theory. And I, I won't dive too, too in depth into it, but it is incredibly helpful for people to understand. IR theory is in reference to you've got your identity and you have your role. And really you've got tons of roles, right? And we, we'll, we'll have them sit down and write these out. You've got your role as a salesperson, your role as an employee, your role as a husband, your role as a, a, a child, your role as a, um, a citizen, all of these different roles, and then helping them understand that that role is not them, that their identity is completely different. That if you're on an island surrounded by nobody and nothing, that that is who you are. Your identity is not attached to anything else. And that if if on that island you don't feel good about who you are, that's going to affect every role that you're a part of. Uh, so, and that that actually goes very strongly in hand with man's search for meaning and, and the idea of you know so many people dealing with these existential vacuums where where they just don't feel good about who they are and then if that's the situation you're in it really doesn't matter what's going on in your life it doesn't matter what what job you're a part of or what roles you're you're involved in you won't feel good you've got to work on the i before the r yeah that's awesome i didn't realize you guys covered that in sandler i think that's i think that's great i mean you've got to have you've got to really understand who you are or the tasks that you're doing aren't going to make, are not definitely not going to fulfill you. A hundred percent. And we've got, it's um, we've called it the success triangle, but behaviors, attitudes, and techniques. And if, if, if we can't work on all of those, then you're going to see either temporary success or no success. So yeah, we're, we're working on, on all of those with our clients. Um, as a sales trainer, what's the one thing that you're the most passionate about? So, I mean, I've got the, it's probably a cheesy answer, but, but seeing change, uh, being able to coming into it as a young person who had hired Sandler and seen my life change. And it is so cool to be on the other side of that. Now seeing my own clients, uh, companies transitioning and people's lives changing. So that is the passion is there. On the other side, the thing that I nerd out the most on, which is, I don't know if that's, um, exactly where you're going. But the thing that I, I get really excited about right now is technology's role in sales and, and how it's really changing the field. Yeah. What's, well, obviously we're in the technology space. We're in sales. Tell me, tell me a little bit about that. I mean, what's your, how do you see technology changing sales? What's your general thought about that? Unpack some of that. Yeah. You guys, you guys are an awesome example of the impact that technology can have on it. I mean, you, you're in a field where we're typically seeing a three to 5% connection rate with cold calls. And you guys can absolutely turn that around and get rid of one of the worst parts of sales. So you guys are an amazing example of this. One of the, the things that I've been spending a lot of time on lately is the impact of video. 
and I'm not talking like Zoom videos, though I, I, I am really excited that that's becoming more of a, a typical tool that's used in the field, but more the personalized video through email or through LinkedIn messaging. Uh, in fact, I, I flew out to Baltimore to present on this a couple of weeks ago, and the impact that real real quick background so so video is the most powerful communication tool we have right now most people are still reliant on on written text on, on typing out an email or a linkedin message one of the things we teach in the and really that a lot of people teach is that communication has three elements you've you've got the words which is what we're typing out but you also have tonality and body language words are only about 7% of the communication though which means when we're sending these text-only messages, we're 100% reliant on the least effective element of communication, which is, is just crazy that we're, st we're still, in today's uh, technological age, we're still reliant on that. So what I was presenting on, what I've really been getting excited about lately is that we now have such easy technology to be able to send videos to our prospects and clients and coworkers to be able to communicate messages more effectively and more memorably than what most people are doing. In fact, most recent polls are showing that only about 6% of salespeople are regularly using personalized video in their process, which means we've got the most powerful tool we've had, but only 6% are using it. it, it it's one, an area of a lot of opportunity, uh, but but also just an area that everybody should be using already and, and most aren't. Um, you sent me a video email and it kind of broke the it broke the ice and it actually put you like continually on my radar to want to reach out to you because um, it forced me onto your LinkedIn page. I saw that you had the Air Force background. I saw you had the the um, the psychology background. You were in sales. Super fascinating. And, and it got there. And I think the one thing that video does and i think we forget this just in sales in general is that sales is human and you're ultimately have to make a human connection with somebody down to the sale and not only that but sales is complex and it takes multiple touches to get somebody not only on your radar but to engage with you and you've got to you just never know what's i call it breaking the glass ceiling it's you just don't which is getting somebody's attention you just don't know what what scenario or group of scenarios are going to exist to get somebody's attention. So it might be a postcard. It might be uh, a video email. It might be, you know, it might be a, a GIF or a text, or you just don't know what it is, but you got to, you got to get at some point, you got to get somebody's, you got to get somebody's attention. I, I completely agree. And at a, at a time when attention is getting harder and harder to get, I mean, it, it, it just seems crazy for not using such useful and available tools uh, one of the one of the interesting things with this, you brought up how memorable that that email was with the video. They've done some recent studies, and and when somebody reads about a topic, they typically retain about ten percent of what they read. When they watch a video about that same topic, that increases the ninety or ninety five percent retention rate. So if we're wanting to not only catch attention but also be remembered. Video is definitely something that needs to be investigated more. Why, why do you think people are, why are only 6% of people using video? So I've actually asked this question a lot <laughs> and I was, I was doing training this morning on it and I asked them as well. And I'm consistently getting some of the same answers. One is that they don't know how, which 
I'm happy to help if somebody needs help figuring out how. <laughs> the The other is that uh, they're scared. A lot of people are just worried about being in front of the camera. They think they're going to look or sound stupid. If if that is your concern, you are going to look and sound stupid. <laughs> That's totally fine. We, the average person in America is bombarded with over 5,000 advertisements a day. We're used to seeing very professional and put together uh, videos and advertisements. And most people are sick of it. What they want is for someone to reach out and not look perfect. And, and go back to what you were talking about, Brad. They want a human. They want some actual human interaction. And video is going to lead to that better than, than most anything else that we have available right now. And then the last part of it is I'll, several people I've talked to that have initially tried video and then given up is that they weren't seeing the results they were wanting. Usually that's because they're measuring the wrong thing. Uh, so many people, when they get into starting to use video, they're obsessed with one metric, and that is how many people are viewing my video. One of the things that's important, and, and it, anybody that's listening to this, if you want to get one really big thing out of out of video use, it's it really doesn't matter as much if they watched it. It matters that they saw that you had it. The average person is getting between one and 500 emails every single day. Almost none of those emails have a video. And, and if there is a video, it's probably not personalized. So somebody suddenly seeing an email come in with a personalized email or a personalized video is going to remember that whether or not they watch it. So when people aren't seeing the results they're wanting, it's typically because they're measuring the wrong results. I'm very curious. I mean, it's just, it's a question mark. It's like, why is it so hard? I think a lot of times people just, don't give stuff enough time. They're impatient or they measure the wrong metrics. I think that's a good, I think that's, that's true too. Is they're looking, if you're looking at how many people watch the video, um, then you might be missing out on what, what you're really trying to accomplish. Yeah. And, and like you said, not giving it enough time. It, it, I think this is going to be the same across most behaviors, if not all, if it's not a consistent planned behavior, you're not going to see very strong results. I, I can go work out really hard for one week and I'll be really sore, but I probably won't see a six pack popping in. And it, it's the same with video use. If you go do a ton of videos in one week, you're probably going to be really tired at the end of the week and you might have some interesting replies, but until you're consistent with this, you won't get comfortable with it and you won't start seeing the results that you're hoping for. Right. It's like with phone prospecting, it takes a good 12, it takes a good 12 months to build a, a good, strong sales pipeline through phone prospecting. I mean, people, people don't like that. That's what, I mean, it just takes that long. I mean, you've got to, I think Trish Bertuzzi, I heard her, I read, uh, she told somebody, some big company came to her and said, Hey, we've got this problem. We're not getting the return. She's like, how long have you been doing it? And they're like six months. She's like, give it a year. It'll work out. You know, you just got to keep, you just got to keep at it. Yeah, I've seen that come true over and over again. So what a great interview with David Inman and what a life story. One of seven children traveled around the country. Um, he starts selling in retail. He hi hires a Sandler sales trainer to help him in his retail job. He becomes one of the uh, number one salesmen in his trade. And then something interesting happens. He gets the itch or the conviction that he needs to join the military. And against everyone else's advice and good sense, he decides he's going to do it. He says it's one of the greatest experiences he had in his life. I think one of the takeaways there is if you have something in your gut or you have a conviction, 
and you feel like you need to do something, act now, do it right away. Um, the other thing is I liked his definition um, or how he talked about his experience in the military and how they defined mental toughness as the ability to overcome adversity, just simply as that. You got to be able to get up and keep going. And so um, I thought that was great. I thought it was great how he talked about how that experience has impacted his his teaching, his sales training. Um, if you want to uh, learn more about uh, David Inman, you can go to uh, Sandler Sales Training at Trustpoint. If you want to learn more about Monster Connect and get more of these great stories and podcasts about overcoming adversity in sales and life, go to monsterconnect.com forward slash podcast. And don't forget to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. Until next time, don't let what you can't do interfere with what you can. 